Okay, today uh, our speaker is Joe C, who has agreed to come in and talk to us about the delisting of secular AA or the attempted delisting of secular AA in Toronto. So, Joe, you are on, darling. Now I'm unmuted. How about that? Uh, I'm Joe proud member of uh, Beyond Belief Agnostics and Freethinkers AA group in Toronto, Canada. And um, speaking about this topic, it's something, uh, while I know a lot about it, while I was directly in, involved in it, um, this is one member's opinion and one member's experience. Hopefully it'll be more experience than opinion and conjecture. Um, so it's a story of, uh, uh, from, it, it, it's, it's a great story for AA uh, history, for sure. And uh, this is something which happened in Toronto between 2011 and 2017. Uh, it's page eight news now. Uh, I just, in case I forget to mention it, um, agnostic atheist members and groups are as welcome in Toronto AA as anywhere. I just recently served on uh, the uh, Toronto Intergroup uh, Finance Committee. Um, uh, if we're willing to do some of the work of AA, they're happy to have us. Um, if you search under meetings in Toronto, uh, there's several filters. One of them is now secular. So if you just wanted to find the secular meetings in Toronto AA, or if you just wanted to find the big book meetings in Toronto AA, or speaker or women's meetings or uh, whatever else, uh, you can do that now. Um, but nevertheless, um, it, it still is a good case history, I think, for uh, what can happen uh, with uh, uh, zealotry. There was a, in, if you own more than one AA service manual, you're probably an AA nerd, just a warning. And uh, I grabbed one of mine. And this is a little reading from concept five, which is uh, all about the right of appeal and that the minority opinion should be heard and uh, petitions for redress of personal grievances should be carefully considered. And uh, Bill Wilson in his essay uh, talks about uh, uh, de Tocqueville, if I'm pronouncing that right, I've only ever seen it written. He was uh, a, a Frenchman who came over to the United States at the beginning of democracy in America and wrote a book about it. And um, it's still uh, often used in sort of history classes, but here he's talking about uh, this uh, outsider's view of this experiment, which was a democratic society. And he, um, here he says that uh, uh, de Tocqueville uh, insisted that the greatest danger to democracy would always be the tyranny of apathetic, self-seeking, uninformed, and angry majorities. 
only a truly dedicated citizenry quite willing to protect and conserve minority rights and opinions could, he thought, guarantee the existence of a free and democratic society. Uh, um, De Tocqueville would have uh, none of that tyranny and that we AAs can uh, readily agree with him. Um, there's also some great stuff if you're uh, perusing uh, that particular reading uh, in Concept 12, uh, uh, Warranty 6, about uh, what I call the inalienable rights of members and, um, and groups. Uh, our rights aren't granted by AA, so they can't be taken away by AA. They're inalienable. Uh, in, in other circles, they would call these rights God-given rights. They're above law and man. Uh, but uh, inalienable is the legal term. So, um, so in 2011, uh, let's go back a little bit. In a U of T classroom in September 24th, 2009, uh, the currently longest running secular AA meeting in Canada held its first meeting. There were about 16 to 20 in attendance. 12 members joined the group that night. By 2011, Beyond Belief had moved from one night to twice a week, and the We Agnostics group uh, uh, was started by members, some of the members who were in attendance at that first Beyond Belief meeting, uh, they started a Tuesday night meeting in Midtown Toronto at a Unitarian Universalist congregation. If you know Toronto, it was on St. Clair between Avenue Road and Spadina. Uh, and in April of 2011, in the Greater Toronto Area Intergroup, a new operating chair was elected, Barbara H. She took the gavel for the first time. And her, the first new business uh, she would uh, uh, oversee uh, was welcoming a motion to remove the agnostic atheist AA groups because they read their own agnostic interpretation of the 12 steps. And however you feel about that, uh, whether they should, they shouldn't, we should, we shouldn't, uh, it's, there's no rule uh, against it. And in May, uh, that uh, GTAI, Greater Toronto Area Intergroup uh, meeting uh, voted. Um, and uh, like, here's one of the biggest problems in a city of well over 200 groups. Uh, it only took 24 groups because of the apathy to AA service, 23 four groups voted to kick the groups out of uh, Toronto. There were 15 that were opposed and nine abstained, including in those abstentions were both of our secular groups because neither of us saw the legitimacy of uh, intergroup or any central office, uh, policing groups, ha having scrutiny over groups or even speaking to what happens inside those groups. Uh, so we uh, we argued our case, but we uh, didn't recognize the uh, the process as legitimate. And over the next few years, uh, we made man many attempts with the uh, intergroup uh, to resolve the problem. And so we saw several new uh, 
uh, intergroup chairs. And they all, when we spoke to them one-on-one, -on -one, they were emotionally invested in fixing the problem, admitting there was a problem and fixing the problem, uh, but they couldn't appeal to the fundamentalists who were unapologetic about their mission from God to keep AA pure. Um, and the matter would not be resolved until Larry Kay, a member of uh, We Agnostics, uh, and uh, around 20 years sober at the time, circumvented the uh, dead end at intergroup uh, by filing a complaint of discrimination with the Ontario Human Rights Commission. Now, human rights in Canada, they're the law and violating someone's human rights, uh, any organization, government agency or business, uh, they would be um, in contravention of Canadian law. And so this matter would eventually be mediated between the AA member who filed the complaint, Larry, by uh, representatives, uh, legal and AA members from the uh, Greater Toronto Area Intergroup, and from AA World Services, who was not enthusiastic about being involved in this process at all. In fact, they petitioned the Ontario Human Rights uh, Commission saying, hey, not our monkey, not our circus. We didn't delist these groups. And it's worth noting that while these groups were removed from the uh, meeting list, which was the motion before the floor, and then the executive committee of intergroup decided they would further uh, add to that enthusiasm that we would no longer have a voice at intergroup and no longer be able to participate or vote. While that was true, we were completely welcome at our uh, district and our area, and they never uh, once uh, uh, spoke out against us in any way, or uh, they were agnostic about what was going on in intergroup, and uh, uh, we were still uh, voting uh, rights-bearing members of uh, the larger AA process. So, so AA World Services tried to argue with the Human Rights Tribunal that, look, we haven't rejected these groups. We recognize their autonomy. Um, uh, we don't want to be involved. And as far as the Ontario Human Rights uh, Commission was concerned was, uh, does this organization uh, that delisted them call themselves Alcoholics Anonymous? And yes, they did. It was the Greater Toronto Area uh, Intergroup of Alcoholics Anonymous. Do you uh, sell books and literature to the people of uh, Ontario, Canada? Yes, yes, we do. Well, then it is, uh, in our opinion, you have a fiduciary responsibility to your members in Ontario. So uh, I hope you haven't, uh, hope you can cancel your plane ticket back home, stick around. So, so they were part of the process and a very useful, reluctant, but a very useful uh, part of resolving the matter. So um, in uh, to understand a little bit about because uh, I mean we're talking to people here from all over the world. Not everybody has a human rights tribunal. Some people's rights are protected by their constitution or other uh, parliamentary laws. But um, understanding what is going on in Canada, the 
human rights co code doesn't allow discrimination based on creed. It's against the law. Everyone should have access to the same opportunities and benefits and be treated with uh, equal dignity, respect, regardless of their creed. Uh, if you want to learn more about the Ontario Human Rights uh, uh, Code and Tribunal, I'll put it in the chat. I, I won't go into the minutia of it because it doesn't apply to everybody, but um, if you're curious, knock yourselves out. So the goal is uh, of accommodation is to allow people with different creed beliefs, including no creed belief at all, this is right off of their website, to equally benefit and take part in the workplace, services or housing. Uh, Intergroup is considered a service provider under uh, the uh, Ontario Human Rights Code. Uh, no, no one should have to choose between following their creed and taking part in society. So if someone asked for an accommodation, um, let's say someone in a wheelchair can't access a meeting because there's no ramp, uh, they can ask for accommodation and there is a duty of the organization to uh, meet that accommodation. So when someone is asked for an accommodation, uh, the here are the rules for an organization, including AA. Treat the accommodation uh, as sincere, made in good faith. Deal with it quickly, uh, even if you have to create a temporary solution while you develop a long-term one. Take an active role in making sure that uh, uh, alternative approaches and possible accommodations are investigated. Always look for and provide the most appropriate accommodation in the situation, unless it would cause undue hardship. It's supposed to cause some hardship, <laughs> but it shouldn't cause undue hardship. What would be an example of undue hardship? Let's say it, our members were asking that all of the literature in Ontario uh, be uh, changed to secular literature because were offended by the uh, theism. Well, that might be, uh, it was never asked for, but that might be considered an undue hardship where uh, accommodations can be made for secular groups to be part of AA and to conduct themselves in accordance with what they need, but maybe asking AA to change everything to accommodate the minority, maybe that would be tyranny of the minority. Um, I don't know, it's never been tested, um, but they have to respond to individual needs and uh, uh, has to, uh, the solution has to allow for integration and full participation and cover any costs of the accommodation. So if someone says, hey, your, your, your front door is accessible, it's got an electric door, but the bathroom isn't, right? Like I can't get into the bathroom. Uh, there would be a cost involved in accommodating that uh, disability discrimination. And so it's, it's understood that there will be costs associated with accommodation, uh, but where they are undue and would cause like bankruptcy or, or um, what have you, uh, sometimes there are competing needs, competing human rights, and then uh, th those sort of things have to be worked out. Um, 
Now, agnostic group issues was not, and I want to make this quite clear, uh, this wasn't atheists and agnostics against AA, or it wasn't atheists and agnostics against believers. It was um, a discrepancy or a fight between AA as a pluralist society, whereby members and group rights uh, are inalienable versus AA fundamentalism. And uh, because believing in the big book is the, the best solution for recovery, uh, believing in the steps exactly as written, that isn't fundamentalist. Believing that because that's what works for you and nobody else is allowed to do anything else, that would be fundamentalism. Uh, just for the purposes of curiosity, I pulled this sort of definition uh, off the intergroup. Fundamentalism is here taken to be a collection of infallible beliefs or principles that provide guidance regarding how to obtain salvation. Religious fundamentalists believe in the superiority of their religious teachings and in a strict division between righteous people and evildoers. This belief system regulates religious thought, but also uh, conceptions regarding the self, others, and the world. Uh, fundamentalists um, not only increase uh, the subjective feeling of control, but that it also fosters self-regulation and more specifically self-control. Self-control is the ability to direct one's behavior in ways that are in line with rules and standards that are meaningful. Uh, but uh, means of self-control, one may reinforce attention, alter one's moods or emotional state, overcome fatigue, resist temptation, or in various other ways, uh, change one's state of mind uh, or one's actions. In order to behave virtuously, such as avoiding vice or sin, self-control is necessary. Indeed, uh, research has shown that religious fundamentalism is positively related to temptation resistance, the endurance of discomfort and ability to delay gratification and response uh, accuracy. Fundamentalism has demonstrated that it provides individuals with a sense of meaning in life and that it offers relief and distress uh, from uncertainty. So um, there's room for fundamentalism in AA, but the problem in Toronto was it, uh, it gained control over uh, the agenda in AA. What happens in someone's meetings, what they agree with or disagree with, uh, I think should be perfectly legitimate. I, um, I, I spoke out against the Great Britain uh, General Service delisting a Christian AA meeting that read the Bible. Uh, I thought that what they do in their meeting should be perfectly uh, allowable. And um, in the same way, I, I think our group should be allowed to do whatever we want. I'm a big preponderant that these um, limits uh, and liberties. Uh, it, well, Bill Wilson wrote in Warranty Six, because we set such a high value on our great liberties and cannot conceive a time uh, when they need to be limited, 
uh, we enjoin our general service conference to abstain completely from any and all acts of authoritative government, which could in any way curtail AA's freedom. Uh, you know, I, I don't think there's anything wrong with thinking my home group is the greatest home group in the world. That's a, a human nature, that's tribalism, uh, that's great. Uh, but when it sort of crosses the line and imposes uh, how other people should behave, I think that's what happened. Uh, I saw online that there are certain precepts for what's the difference between enthusiasm or zealotry uh, where does that sort of cross the line to fundamentalism? And I found these four precepts, and I thought they sort of pertain to what happened in Toronto Intergroup. And I've sort of used some artistic liberty in describing them in AA terms. Precept one, the belief that there was a single set of teachings containing the fundamental, basic, intrinsic, inherent truth about God, mankind, and addiction. Precept two, the essential truth stands in opposition to evil, which must be actively fought. Precept three, the truth uh, is to be followed in our current day according to the fundamental practices of the past. And precept four, people who follow these steps exactly as described in the book Alcoholics Anonymous have a special relationship with God. So, um, so what, what happened in Toronto was um, uh, th this sort of fundamentalism became uh, uh, organized. Uh, lots of people don't believe there should be atheists or agnostics. Lots of people don't believe there should be any special purpose groups. There are some parts of the world where you can't register a young people's group or a woman's group or a men's group or uh, atheist agnostic groups because their general service conference doesn't recognize that and they have the autonomy to do that. Um, but in some places it's uh, against the rules. So people on both sides started organizing as this uh, between the time of this sort of floor motion and the, the vote and uh, here was a, a letter uh, that uh, came from uh, the general service office, which uh, I think is really shows you that it wasn't uh, agnostics against AA. Uh, thank you so much for being in touch and for your question. I'm the correspondent for Eastern Canada, and I'm glad to be able to respond to you. I read your message several times, and um, I keep coming back to it is something that I wish I could phrase a little bit more delicately. What the other AA group does is none of your group's business. In taking another group's inventory with regard to the traditions is just not done. What a slippery slope that could be. AA's experience suggests that business meetings are used to conduct business of the AA group and its meeting. Uh, and as described in the conference pamphlet, the AA group, blah, blah, blah. And uh, um, I sincerely hope uh, that you will uh, impress up, upon them, the other group members, the importance of considering um, 
the independence of groups. Uh, if they are concerned about confusing or upsetting newcomers, consider what you can do in your group to prevent that. That was from Mary Claire L, who was uh, with the GSO. The, at the time, Rob was the Area 83 delegate, and he was asked to take sides. And he wrote back and said, it seems that this subject has turned into a hot topic in the Toronto area. I've received numerous emails and phone calls about a particular group in the GTA that is using their own version of the 12 steps. The only rules that we have in Alcoholics Anonymous are those which we impose upon ourselves. We do not force people or groups, district or areas to conform to our will. While conformity to the principles set out in the 12 steps is suggested, it's still only a suggestion. Uh, that being said, tradition four states that each group is autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. Uh, many things are done in AA groups, districts, and areas under the banner of group autonomy. This is rightly so, although we need to keep in mind the second half of the tradition, except in matters affecting other groups or AA as a whole. It is the responsibility of the General Service Conference to preserve the integrity of the steps and traditions. Uh, if a group chooses to use its own interpretations of the 12 steps and traditions, they should have the freedom to do so. Um, uh, where is it? There is only one requirement for membership in Alcoholics Anonymous, and it does not include belief in God. Um, uh, so, so we tried uh, as much as we could to sort of reason with uh, intergroup. And uh, eventually, um, uh, Larry Kay uh, got fed up, as any individual in Ontario can, and uh, pressed the point with the Ontario Human Rights uh, tribunal. He didn't need AA's permission. He didn't need his group's permission. He went ahead to do so. And had he not done that, um, it, uh, I don't think the matter would have been resolved. Um, I had actually called uh, the Human Rights Tribunal and was told that they would entertain our case. I brought it up before our group and you can appreciate that a group that doesn't believe in any intervening higher power, some of them don't put a lot of faith or belief in intervening government agencies. Um, we're from the government and we're here to help. Uh, not exactly uh, the way a lot of our sort of uh, uh, rugged individualist uh, atheists and agnostics uh, saw the world. Uh, they didn't want uh, to uh, really discredit AA. They didn't want to see this whole circus uh, publicly uh, brought forward. If we could resolve the matter ourselves and personally, all the better. But, but Larry took the initiative and there were a number of articles. You can uh, look them up. Uh, uh, does religion belong in AA? Fight over AA splits Toronto AA groups. Uh, Google that, it's still out there. The, the, um, and uh, it was by uh, Leslie uh, Schreibner uh, with the Toronto Star. Um, there was another one, Alcoholics Anonymous Accused of Discrimination. And there it wrote that 
uh, it quotes uh, Larry, the reason uh, we went this way is because uh, three years of discussion, nothing was happening. The clock ran out and we're still not allowed to vote. It's important to feel that we're equal partners in the opportunity to speak. And GTAI, our intergroup office, argued that the members must be prepared to practice the 12-step program and have a belief in God. And uh, Larry Knight uh, disagreed. So this was something that was actually in the pleadings for Toronto Intergroup, arguing that they have a right to discriminate against groups that uh, don't believe in God and refuse to read the 12 steps exactly as written. And this is in the public record, so I'm not throwing stones or uh, uh, telling tales. The respondent GTAI submits that Alcoholics Anonymous Recovery Program follows 12 steps, and these steps involve a belief in God. Intergroup submits that uh, the purpose is to practice the 12 steps and to believe in God. In order to be part of intergroup, a group must be prepared to practice the 12 steps and thus a member of the group. As members of the group, they must have a belief in God. Uh, and uh, it further went on to say intergroup also submits that it is a bona fide requirement that groups that wish to be part of intergroup must have a belief in the higher power of God. So uh, this wasn't just a Toronto problem, by the way. Let's get some perspective on this. Uh, this was going on in Indianapolis as well. Um, they were in a fight. And if you uh, Google uh, Saturday, June 11th, 2011 uh, blog from Indie We Agnostics, you can uh, find this blog where it talks about um, the Indianapolis Intergroup uh, Service Committee meeting on June 9th, 2011, and how it was a kangaroo court where they were having a fair trial before the hanging of uh, the We Agnostics. One person said they can't be AA because they don't believe in God. Obviously, God isn't expressing himself through their group conscience, so they're not a group of Alcoholics Anonymous. Interesting argument, um, <laughs> interesting interpretation. So where did this organized anti-non-believer uh, thing come from? Well, there was something called a white paper on non-believers. And uh, I first found out about this because I was accidentally included in a petition to intergroup members, warning them about the dangers of these secular groups. Remember the, the precepts. I'm going to read a few little excerpts from this white paper. While it is, uh, its author is anonymous, and I found it on 164fl.com, which is a Florida first 164-page uh, um, group website. Um, it was called the Minority Report, the White Paper on Nonbelievers. This document was circulated to Toronto Intergroup members, as I mentioned. And um, um, it, uh, I still don't know for sure who it was. Uh, I, I, I have people who swear they do know who it was. It is a now deceased, very popular uh, circuit speaker. 
from uh, the Washington area who uh, retired to Florida. But, um, uh, I, you know, he's dead and can't defend himself, uh, whether he wrote it or not. I, I, whoever wrote it isn't important. The fact that it had such a, um, uh, an impact in alarming AA members, I think, is what is important. And let's remember the, 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 those four precepts as I read a few excerpts of this. Um, that there is a single set of teachings containing the fundamental, basic, intrinsic, inherent truth about God and AA. Precept two, the essential truth stands in opposition to evil. So obviously we agnostics and atheists are the evil ones and must be actively fought. Uh, that number three is the truth is to be followed in our current day, according to the fundamental practices of the past. That's an interesting one. I mean, this sort of revisionist history about this is how AA has always been. You know, um, agnostics and atheists aren't the first people ever to get sober without following the 12 steps exactly as written. Uh, another example uh, of people who did that were uh, the people who wrote the big book, None of them knew the 12 steps. This was all pre-12 steps. And um, there's, there's no stories in the big book of people referring to working the 12 steps uh, exactly as written. Um, but anyway, this, th there's this idea that somehow Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob were taking their sponsees through the big book and working the steps exactly as written although I've never seen any account from either of them that this is how they uh, worked with newcomers. It's called uh, revisionist uh, history, and, uh, but it's a big part of uh, the more sort of fundamentalist uh, school of AA. And precept four is people who follow these steps exactly as described in the book have a special relationship with God. So this uh, white paper uh, it's uh, prepared to remind us that the guiding force ensuring the future of the fellowship, uh, not only for individual AA members, but for AA as a whole, we must view with great alarm the ongoing deviations from these principles, which are occurring within the fellowship on a regular basis. Um, so the action that this author wants to take is eliminating them from returning our fellowship to and re returning our fellowship to the pure spiritual oasis that has nourished suffering alcoholics for 75 years. We would all be remiss in our responsibilities if we failed at this crucial juncture. So they make an enemy and uh, they uh, sort of associate this enemy with the destruction of Alcoholics Anonymous. They also include on their enemies list the General Service Office and some of our trustees regarding expanding our membership is extremely uh, disconcerting. It is, uh, in a not so subtle way, the idea is being advanced that we could make our fellowship more inclusive. Uh, the author believes that AA has made an honest error in judgment by supporting the existence of atheist and agnostic AA groups. Unfortunately, this is but one symptom of a deeper and more pervasive problem within our fellowship, namely the constant watering down of the central role which 
God has intended to play in our fellowship. After all, the ultimate authority for us is a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Uh, so here's a little sort of shot to the evil which is from within. All of us know that AA can't be hurt from anything occurring outside the fellowship. Our only danger will lie within. Since the very survival of AA's vessel is dependent on our collective relationship with a loving God as he expresses himself to us, this critical leak uh, must be repaired and sealed as soon as possible. Should this small crack in the AA dam widen, we may wish we had acted sooner. Uh, the AA approach for atheists and agnostics to urge them to keep an open mind and to slowly move away from their old ideas and towards God of uh, their understanding. Uh, nowhere does our literature suggest that AA or its members could assist newcomers to find a way to get sober uh, without God. They began to seek greater presence for atheist agnostics material in our publications. And the decision by AA to sanction, not object to the formation of atheist agnostic groups, calling themselves AA, was never seriously discussed or debated. It was simply accepted as a matter of courtesy and because uh, grounds for their uh, non for not accommodating them were never examined. The fellowship has a hard time saying no to anybody. Failure to conform to this critical requirement to ever be considered an AA group should result in the group being prohibited from calling itself an AA group. And uh, he goes on to say that, uh, that the, uh, that, the idea that maybe one day the big book would include stories of atheists and agnostics who haven't had to find God would be completely unacceptable. Uh, he's, of course, passed away now. There's more to this. If you want a copy of it, I call it the mind camp of AA thinking um, uh, because uh, it's uh, like to go into it more can be very upsetting. Uh, I find it very disturbing. Um, I, I don't think fundamentalism uh, on either end of the sort of political spectrum is uh, helpful in AA. Um, in your own group, you can be either pro big book or against the big book. Uh, fine. Uh, why not? Uh, but um, to try to control what I do in my group or they do in their group. Uh, and I've been guilty of this myself. I have to look at my own sort of fundamentalism or, or the creep of, of absolute thinking of how I'm right and they're wrong, uh, that they're evil, that, that it's those big book thumpers that are uh, lowering the me membership numbers in AA. They're embarrassing us. Why would I care what they do in their group? Let them do what they want. And I try more in my own AA practice to shine the light as I see it instead of fighting the darkness. Um, now, what actually happened? So there was this effort to delist the groups. This fed over into the Vancouver agnostic groups. Um, some of the fundamentalists there gleefully followed the Toronto uh, approach. Um, 
one of the fallouts was something I call the law of unintended consequences. In 2011, when they kicked out two groups so that they would end atheism in AA forever, uh, there were a hundred uh, groups worldwide that called themselves atheist agnostic groups. By the time they put us back in, in 2017, there were 400 groups. So this, I think, is the law of unintended consequences, uh, because it drew attention to the idea of should AA be inclusive or should it be exclusive? And I, I, I want to say that our group uh, was in its early days was supported by not only atheists and agnostics tired of one view of AA recovery, but also of very liberal minded believers who thought that, of course, there should be atheists and agnostic groups. So they worked with newcomers who this was the biggest barrier there was for AA. And if they had a group uh, or a sponsor they could point them to who could speak their own language, they should go for it. Um, the, uh, there's uh, in uh, P17, uh, that's pamphlet 17 is called uh, the AA traditions, how they begin. And uh, Bill Wilson wrote there, uh, perhaps this trend signifies something much deeper than a mere change of attitudes on the question of membership. Perhaps it means that we are losing all fear of those violent emotional storms which sometimes cross our alcoholic world. Perhaps it bespeaks our confidence that every storm will be followed by a calm, a calm which is more understanding, more compassionate, more tolerant than any we've ever known before. So like I say, it's page eight news in Toronto. I hope we're, whatever harm was ca caused that the good that came from it has increased. I'm a big fan of uh, uh, Arthur uh, Schopenhauer, uh, who died in 1860, but even then he saw that all truth passes through three stages. First, it's ridiculed. Second, it is violently opposed. Third, it is accepted as being self-evident. And I think we're at that stage in Toronto AA where, of course, agnostic atheist groups are part of AA. Uh, they're no more or less uh, AA than, uh, you know, the LGBTQIA groups, which are accepted here in Toronto, women's groups, uh, uh, um, young people's groups, uh, big book groups, uh, whatever groups, right? Uh, I think we have... We're, we're on the other side of this problem, but, but I don't think men's groups, of course, yes. Uh, and um, isn't that funny that uh, white privileged males would feel ostracized and need the protection of their own clan to, uh, to feel safe in AA? <laughs> but, but again, I'm not pointing fingers at what should or shouldn't be. Um, I, I, uh, I, I, you know, in terms of special purpose groups, which I've done a lot of study of, you know, I actually nothing has bolstered my interest in AA and my um, uh, sort of authorship of all things AA and special interest groups and doing primary firsthand research in AA archives in Toronto and in GSO than this Toronto debacle. They've made me a better um, uh, historian. 
uh, because uh, we've been there before and we just have to guard against uh, being there again. And um, if anyone wants any details about the minutia, um, uh, I really think this has had an effect on uh, the AA uh, safety card. The AA safety card specifically says, if a law is broken, speak out. AA isn't the mafia. We're not the family. We don't handle our, our situations. We don't, we're not a country onto its own with its own laws. We have to live within the laws uh, in our jurisdiction. And uh, Larry faced a lot of heat in mainstream AA and even in agnostic AA about uh, sort of bringing this up into the public uh, sphere, but he was right to do so. And uh, it worked out in our favor. And uh, so, um, uh, you know, that, that's, I, I got lots more, but this isn't a weekend seminar. Uh, it's an AA meeting, and I would really love to hear what other people have to say. Uh, thanks for your attention. Joe, thank you so much. Um, because of the uh, historic and educational value of this, I'm going to leave the recording running through the questions. Feel free to not use your name if you would like to, uh, to ask anything. You're welcome to not introduce yourself to so just go ahead and, and ask since we're gonna leave it on. And the floor is open. Since I'm gonna not go ahead and introduce you. If I unmute you, you can just go ahead. <laughs> Hi, uh, thanks. Joe, very interesting, wonderful. Um, I have been doing a bit of reading in this myself. And I want to push the case to the other side. <laughs> um, I, I don't understand how they lost this. I really don't. I think, it, I, I don't, maybe you can tell me if I'm right, that somehow it hinged on the fact that, that the Human Rights Court defined it as a service organization, and therefore uh, it is open to the, to the human rights laws. If, on the other hand, they've got their act together and declared themselves a religious organization, which other courts have actually defined them as, then they could have gone for an exemption. Uh, because the, the human rights laws, many of them do not apply. You cannot be forced to employ a, an atheist teacher in a religious school, um, you know, things like that, you know. So, uh, and I completely accept that. Um, and for, I mean, for me, um, I, I don't know whether this was beneficial or not for, for secular AAers or secular uh, people in recovery. You know, for me, AA is clearly a sort of evangelical religious conversion organization. Um, and that's made plain in the chapter of the way agnostics. And as such, as an atheist, I cannot consider myself a member of AA. So I certainly cannot consider myself to be following the AA 12 steps. Also, I don't understand why they don't sue for breach of copyright anyone that publishes a book that uses the title AA and any alternative 12 steps, because they're not the 12 steps. They belong to AA as written in the big book. So if you rewrite them, surely that's an infringement of copyright. Um, the, the question of whether or not atheists and um, agnostics um, can be a member of AA, obviously, yes, you have this group uh, autonomy stuff, but I, I would argue maybe it was the worst thing that ever happened. We'd have been better off if we'd been thrown out 
we would have been forced into defining ourselves. Uh, traditionally, I would have been forced into declaring what it actually is, which is a religious organization. And everybody would have known where they stand. As it is at the moment, we're in this wishy-washy state. And um, I think the division is coming. Um, they are going to wake up and they are going to realize that, well, what, you know, what, what secular meetings and things are doing and diluting the, the original message. It's already happening. And I think they're quite right to. Um, they are what they are. I am not a member and I have no, no desire to use the title of AA as um, because that for me is exemplified in the writings of the big book, which are clearly religious. Um, so I, I'd be really interested in why they didn't, did they argue that they're a religious organization? And would that have, would that have um, won them the case? Uh, some great points there. Uh, one, in terms of uh, interpreting the 12 steps, uh, the author of them, and AA itself, considers the 12 steps to be not an invention of AA, because there isn't a single original thought or idea in them. They were just borrowed from psychology, religion, uh, therapy, what have you. So, so there's nothing that can be uh, like in its whole form, it is copy. These are the copyrighted 12 steps, but any adaptation of them and that sort of thing is not a violation according to US law. Now in the Ontario human rights uh, code, there is an exception uh, for uh, like giving people the right to discriminate. And one of them is religious organizations. In the example you gave a Catholic school could um, uh, um, not hire a more qualified teacher in favor of a Catholic teacher. Uh, they can absolutely do that. And uh, Toronto Intergroup uh, started going down that road. And, and from my understanding, I wasn't in the room, uh, that's where the general service office said, they said, well, if you wanna go down that road, you can't call yourself Alcoholics Anonymous. <laughs> right, you'll be delisted, right? And uh, because it's right in the title of the registered name of the Greater uh, Toronto Area Intergroup of Alcoholics Anonymous. So, um, so that they chose not to go that way, and uh, because of uh, a few things that, uh, again, this never went to a hearing. Uh, this was mediated. Right. If it went to a hearing, who knows? Maybe AA would have been declared religious. I don't know, um, but uh, it uh, it it was mediated between the parties involved, and um, uh, certainly the parties involved. Uh, I can't speak for uh, Intergroup today, but I, I think Intergroup today would include themselves in this group. Uh, does respect the autonomy does respect the tradition of the only requirement for membership is the desire to stop drinking. And I know how you feel and why you feel about the primacy of the big book and the 12 steps. Uh, but I luckily grew up in an AA that was pre-fundamentalism. Uh, if anybody read the big book uh, in the neighborhood I got sober in, I don't know who they were because they never quoted it. They never, as Bill says in chapter blah, 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 there, there was none of that. I was sober 11 years before I'd even been to a big book meeting. Uh, they didn't exist. 
uh, when the author existed. It came after uh, that sort of, but, but this is AA today. That's, that's right. But, but agnostic atheist AA is also AA today. And what I love about AA is you can declare yourself not an AA member against AA and participate in AA. That's fabulous <laughs> to whatever extent you want. Uh, okay. Uh, did I answer all your questions, Cynthia? Thanks. Adder up. That's you, honey. You're already unmuted. Okay. Thank you. Um, Joe, thank you for, uh, for speaking today. And thank you so much for bringing up the, uh, the group in, in Great Britain that, that, uh, got delisted for, uh, for, for, for the Bible. Um, I'm going to try and say I instead of we. It's really hard for me. I, I feel really passionately about, you know, if we're going to be respected, or I should say I am going to be respected as an atheist and they have rights not to believe, um, I personally feel a duty to defend other people's right to believe. And I'm so glad that you spoke up about that and, and, and spoke out against that decision. Um, I got real mad when I saw... Uh, various people celebrating this decision and i just to me it's, it's very short-sighted and um you know what we don't have to believe the same things but the one thing i i do feel that if you know if we want to be aa members you know this is for me this is a we thing like we have to defend each other you know um outside of aa another story but i'm not going to bring my feelings and thoughts and opinions inside these rooms. I try not to at least, you know? Um, so yeah, I, I really feel very strongly about defending other people's rights to do what they want. It, it, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's about autonomy for me. That's all I have. And again, thank you so much, Jeff. Uh, thanks, Jeff. Um, thank you. Thank you, Joe. Thank you for your sharing and all the information you have. Uh, hi, my name is Edgar. Uh, I'm a member of AA. <laughs> so uh, for me, it, 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 it's very helpful to me because uh, I belong to AA. I belong to that fellowship. Of course, I need this fellowship to my recovery and, and something that I have, that I have been fighting is not uh, create a personal fight, a personal purpose stay in AA. It's very difficult to me. Uh, very difficult. Uh, I don't. I don't know what. I, what can I do if you didn't? If you don't exist, or uh, living in AA uh, every day is is too hard. So. Um, but I try, uh, I try. Uh, in Spanish, we have only two years. Uh, we, we only start this process and it's very difficult. Sometimes, some days I, I, I feel in that I, I have a fight with all the culture in Latin America. We are very religious around here. So uh, no matter if, I do the right thing, but I guess I am. I'm. I I I try to think 
I'm I'm part of AA and I'm glad to be part of AA. I'm grateful to be part of AA. But I need to part divide my recovery into sides. One part one side is here. Uh, because yeah, it's really hard for for me. Uh, but I, I, I it's really, for that's why the reason I really appreciate you, Joe, for this type of sharing or uh, this type of knowledge. Help me a lot. Thank you. Go ahead, darling. Maggie? Oh, hi. Yes, I saw somebody uh, else was before me. Uh, good afternoon, everyone. I was very interested. I didn't know what the subject was going to be, but when Megan said, I think you'll be really interested speaking to you collectively, I noticed people have been leaving because it's not the subject that interests them. Their recovery maybe is more important right now. My question, which I put in the chat was, did this uh, controvert, two parts to the question, did this controversy exist mostly among um, a male sector on both ends of the spectrum mm. or was it widespread with men, women, trans, um, was it evenly divided or, is there not enough data to answer that question? That's question number one. <clears throat> I often ask questions that nobody can answer. Um, my brother-in-law uh, from Harvard criticized me on this point. Uh, and it really, it was, my first year of, of sobriety, I asked him, why don't limes, because they were making margaritas, why don't limes have seeds? And he said, oh, Maggie, stop asking questions that nobody can answer or that I can't answer is what he said. Anyway, that's a digression. Uh, the second part of the question is, Oftentimes, I feel as if Canada and Mexico are going to uh, encompass um, this continent that we call uh, North America, and we're all going to become in survival mode with Canada and Mexico uh, being at the forefront. And so what happens in Canada is I think a forerunner to what's going to happen on, is happening on, in other words, you Canadians are far more advanced in my opinion. That's why so many of our people went to your uh, side of the border. So, uh, I'm pontificating now, but I do have that question about whether this was a, a gender biased argument or, or not. Thank you. Thank you. 
in my own observation and opinion, um, I, I see in our own demographics, while our culture uh, just outside the doors of AA gets more and more diverse, uh, AA is going in the opposite direction. We're uh, whiter than we used to be. We're older than the general population. And um, Toronto AA, while in the city of Toronto, we answer 911 calls in over 150 languages. Uh, our AA looks like it's 1950. It's uh, uh, very few visible minorities, uh, more male than female. Um, uh, although uh, there were people with their hands up to, to uh, delist us uh, from both genders, for sure. Hi, folks. Uh, thanks, Joe. That was a, a great conversation. Uh, I... Uh, I was one of those very fortunate ones that uh, uh, a secular meeting started in my hometown back in the mid eighties. Uh, so I guess I was one of those 100 meetings that, that happened before all this Toronto hoopla. Uh, so, you know, I mean, I, I, I absolutely feel privileged that I that I've been able to uh, attend secular meetings this long uh, and quite honestly I had no idea there were other secular meetings anywhere uh, well I, I I knew there was meetings in New York because there was a snowbird from New York that started my meeting in Boca Raton, Florida. She wanted what she had in New York. So mm -hmm. I, I knew there were meetings there, but I had no idea about LA and Chicago and all these other places where they, where they existed. Uh, when I moved away from Boca in 2010, I was uh, in a place where there were no secular meetings. And I decided to stop into the uh, local intergroup office and get a where and when, because I was gonna find a uh, LGBTQ meeting to go to because they're typically you know, more progressive. And I ran into this guy that was working the phones that day and he told me about a website called AA Agnostica. And that turned me on and introduced me to all these secular meetings that were all over the place, plus secular literature and blah, 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 blah. Uh, I had no idea all that existed. But... Uh, that website was created by a guy in Toronto to let people know about Toronto's secular meetings while they were had been delisted. That was its sole purpose. And it 
and it expanded beyond that. Correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, but it, it expanded beyond that. It is still there today. And and it's it's like the the central hub for secular AA. You know, <laughs> it, it's just this beautiful thing that has grown out of this controversy in Toronto. And it has connected all these secular people in AA all over the world. And now, well, you 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 mentioned there were like 400 meetings <laughs> or it, it grew to like 400 from 100 or something like that. I, yeah, I think between the time we were delisted and the time it was resolved, it, yeah. there was a 400% increase. I, I dare say that it's, it's, it's far beyond that today. Yeah. especially with the, the advent of Zoom meetings and, and everything. We're, we're just like all over the place. And it's just this incredible, beautiful thing that we're getting A's message in a, a secular format out there for people that, that need to get sober, get clean. Uh, it just... It's just this incredible thing. Uh, the, the the growth is like almost beyond comprehension. You know, the, the Toronto uh, incident was uh, a springboard for all of this. You know, all of a sudden, boom, <laughs> everything happened. You know, uh, and 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 I just, you know, I'm very grateful that Larry took that stance. And and won his case, and and that we've that we're here today to talk about it. You know, it's just a great thing. Thanks, Joe. You bet. And thanks, Megan, for sharing. Thanks, Dale. Mikey. Hey, I'm Mikey. I'm an alcoholic. Uh, thank you, Joe. As always, your uh, your perspective is amazing, and you've actually changed my opinion on a lot of the things uh, about other fellowships, other meetings. Um, I, you know, it's interesting, and I don't know what the difference is uh, in Toronto versus the U.S., but uh, I'm thinking solution-based. Um, our group, uh, a secular group in Orlando, we had a little bit of pushback at the beginning, but what we did was we became very involved in the service structure. Um, our One of our members is the district DCM now, or the area DCM. Uh, people send their uh, atheist sponsees to our group. Uh, we also did a big outreach thing where we, we found every uh, uh, probation officer and uh, judges, which that didn't help much, but uh, probation officers, and we sent out uh, something that basically said, you know, there is a secular alternative uh, in Orlando, and we get people coming in all the time. Um, and the, it's interesting about what happened in Toronto, because in the U.S., there's been a couple cases where they've determined that AA is religious, particularly the one about the jail, the guy that was uh, in jail, and he couldn't get out on, you know, extra because he had to go to AA meetings and he, he said he can't. Uh, but AA, the actual AA website now has an official AA app 
and it's called Meeting Guide, and they have an atheist section or an atheist search thing. So I think uh, maybe it's getting more accepted or at least tolerated um, uh, in the U.S. Uh, I know that I've been to some secular meetings that I wouldn't consider, you know, necessarily a traditional agnostic meeting. Um, but it's it's if it helps someone, I don't see how taking any meetings away is helpful to anyone. Um, I wish that the Bible-ish ones, because I went to one where they got down on their knees to pray for at the end of the meeting in a circle. They got down on their knees and said the Lord's Prayer in Nebraska, and I it was very uncomfortable. I wish there was something that said there are other meetings, like a reading in every meeting that said, you know, th there are other meetings. We're not a, you know, this isn't the only one. Um, and sometimes, uh, you know, people that are desperate to go to AA or desperate to stop drinking will either come in through secular doors just because they don't want to hear the religious bullshit, but then they migrate into regular AA. Um, and it's the same thing backwards. When I go to an AA meeting, a traditional one, I'm, I'm not vocal about it, but I definitely don't hide the fact um, that I'm an atheist. And uh, we have people come into our group that way. I just, uh, I, I wanted to know about the difference between the US, if you know anything about the difference between US and uh, their opinion as far as uh, AA goes and being delisted and stuff like that. So that's it. Yeah. In the U.S., there have been some Ninth Circuit Court decisions uh, that uh, call AA religious. Of course, AA was never there to defend itself. And the only submissions that were offered by the defense uh, were pages out of the big book. Right, as if that was the holy writ of AA. Some say it is. AA doesn't say it is. <laughs> and um, yeah, I mean, yeah, AA existed long before there was any book. So, um, so in the the uh, in the U.S. Um, there, there is that precedent, although it's, uh, I think, on pretty shaky grounds because it's never been disputed. It's just been so declared uh, and never challenged. Um, and in Canada, uh, the uh, again, with the Human Rights Tribunal, human rights are the law. You can't violate someone's rights without being on the wrong side of the law. Um, but... Uh, we're all about accommodation. Like, can someone with a minority opinion be accommodated in the larger whole? And they found a way to do that. Again, not in a, there was no ruling. Uh, um, certainly, Toronto Intergroup wanted to bring this, but we're religious by nature. We can discriminate argument. Um, but I don't know what happened in that room. Uh, they dropped that uh, approach. I don't know if that was pressure from GSO or the lawyers and the members being in a state of disagreement, but it's never been uh, adjudicated uh, in Canada. But there, there, there is this overwhelming idea 
like in New York, there's a, a, a new law uh, that uh, is coming in where anyone being uh, invited to treatment by the by the law has to be offered a secular alternative. And but by that, they mean a non 12 step alternative. So they have no awareness of any sort of secular 12 step alternative that that doesn't exist in their mind. So, so it's a, a AA ought never be organized. I get that. But we do a, a piss poor job at um, public information. And maybe that should be a topic at our next uh, International Conference of Secular AA about how groups and regions uh, could do more work to better inform uh, the public about uh, secular AA per se. In my own opinion, I would I would go to that meeting if someone <laughs> put it on. Thanks. Thanks, Joe. So there is a question in the chat that says, uh, the personal question I ask myself is, do I want to be associated with any organization that promotes religious belief and is becoming increasingly fundamentalist? And I wanted to um, respond to that to the group. I, I agree that unfortunately AA has become increasingly fundamentalist, but I have to wonder if that's because the zealots are just louder than we are. Um, it seems to me that uh, when I became when I accepted that there just wasn't anything, I wasn't broken, that this God just, just didn't exist. And that my whole life became calmer. I stopped wanting to really fight back against a lot of things because why bother, you know? Um, so I haven't been going back to mainstream meetings and telling people I'm an agnostic. I haven't been speaking out against it, but you can bet the Bible thumpers are. They are very loud, um, especially here in Georgia. It breaks my heart to hear that I moved out of Boca two years before I hit AA uh, and there was secular there. <laughs> my whole life would have been different. It would have been better, I think, if I hadn't been fighting this, this feeling of I being broken. Um, so I... I you know, I, I, I have to wonder, maybe, maybe that's because we are just quieter. Maybe if more of us could speak out, um, maybe it wouldn't be so fundamentalist. I know here in Georgia, it is absolutely uh, like classified as a religious organization. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Thanks. An inherent characteristic of fundamentalism is the idea is that there is this evil ready to consume them or attack them or destroy them and it must be fought at, at every level but I, I think just like the religious uh the what was it called the the moral majority was neither uh it was just a political movement it wasn't the majority of americans and it wasn't moral um yeah this idea that this is the one real true aa is a made-up thing and uh, I don't believe it is uh, um, the view of the, even the majority. I mean, case in point, uh, they changed the preamble to be more progressive. They changed words in the 12 and 12 in the most recent iteration of the General Service Conference. They changed Bill Wilson's words, recognizing that uh, lust 
uh, like rape is not an, a sexual act, it is a violent act. And they changed uh, Bill Wilson's words, which reflected a 1950s uh, reality. Um, they changed the idea that partnership was not uh, a male and a female necessarily, and they changed that language. That's not huge, but uh, it does suggest that, that AA as a whole uh, has an eye towards a more uh, inclusive, not, uh, not an anti-religious, but a more inclusive view. Um, soon, uh, I've been working on it forever, but I've got a blog coming out about the General Service Conference of Great Britain membership survey, which identified that of um, uh, they asked their members, uh, do you believe in a higher power? and nine out of ten did and okay is your higher power religious or secular and two-thirds of them said their higher power was secular non-religious so i don't know what that means for sure but i think it's interesting oh more hands definitely you're up darling uh i'm jw uh glad to be here always uh, a fan of hearing joe uh think and pontificate and express. So, um, yeah, you know, um, some people in this group, I think, know or knew that uh, I'm pretty involved with NA and in this same, in the same area, like, you know, what about secular? And I noticed somebody said, uh, do you think the rise in Christian nationalism in America is making it harder for agnostic groups to grow, especially in the South? In Virginia, only two groups exist. So, I, I agree, being that I live in Tampa, Florida, and I have lived in uh, over the years. I mean, I, I got clean in Seattle uh, in 1979, but over the years, I have lived a lot in the South. And so there's this weird dichotomy, though, this weird thing that, that happens and that um, a balance is always trying to, to strive there. And so, yes, there is a lot of conservatism in the South, but there's also... At the same time, the struggle always, the push against that. Uh, and so I think that always exists. I, I know for us, uh, for us, meaning a person who attends meetings uh, in the South and both in Zoom and on, uh, you know, face to face, you know, I just, I'm always, uh, you know, I, so at first I had to get, I had to learn how to express myself in a constructive way, right? So, so about six years ago, I had this hissy fit about, I'm tired of translating, I'm, I'm tired of, you know, yeah, translating the words and the verbiage and everything else. I'm sick of it. I'm not going to do it anymore. <laughs> but uh, I've since mellowed a little bit. And that brought me into, you know, the agnostic, you know, world and secular meetings and all the rest and podcasts and all the rest. But uh, and other resources for 12 steps and, you know, perspectives and points of view in my search for finding how to express myself in this way, you know. Uh, but I'll tell you, ever since I was new, I've never been one, I mean, I've never been one to buy any of that, right? Any of the really sort of super religious has just been the nature of my personality. And I haven't really cared you know, that's me. But, um, but anyway, so I just, uh, I have some optimism, I guess, is what I'm saying, that a balance is always 
out there trying to happen, you know, and, and it's happening by, you know, expression, individuals, meetings, face-to-face -face meetings, Zoom meetings, uh, literature, other things, you know, there's a lot going on. And so to me, there's a lot of hope for people to recover in, in my own world. In uh, when I go to NA meetings, my goal is that I want the newcomer to know that I kind of stress the, the higher power is your choice. You decide it's very personal. And, uh, and although you might hear language this way or that way, you get to decide exactly what that looks like. And I always try and stress that because I, I want that newcomer who comes in the room to be able to say, well, wait a minute, there's, oh, what's this guy talking about? You know, so anyway, that's all I got. I really appreciate the topic and always enjoy Mr. Joe. Thanks. Thank you. You're up, Hi, uh, just another thought. The, the, the question about this rise in fundamentalism, I mean, I think it is very definitely a reflection of a larger what's happening in larger society. And perhaps through things like these rulings in courts, the changes in law. Um, I, I mean, their backs against the wall, you know, I think they're, they're kind of seeing this. Um, I, I discovered here in Northern Ireland, for instance, we in the last year, a secular meeting was formed here in Northern Ireland. Now, Northern Ireland AA is really pretty fundamentalist. I did hear... They had a meeting, a prayer meeting for us. So I'm expecting to see the light any moment. Um, but <laughs> the, the group they're in, it's not recognized. It's not publicized through the general office or anything like that. So they decided to become more um, proactive. And they created, uh, the groups created a lot of literature and stuff. And it's now, and we approached the health boards. And it was really interesting because their initial, because the, the, the name on it is Secular AA. But then approaching the health boards, their initial reaction was, oh, no, we can't. We can't promote literature. We can't promote AA. And uh, then requested a meeting and discovered, oh, wait a minute, you're secular. Yes, we can. What we cannot do is promote a religious belief, an organization that's seen as being of a particular religious belief. And so actually they're now, while they're prepared to hold secular literature, they won't hold AA literature. Which is really, but it's that sort of thing. I can understand why the traditionalists are going, oh shit, our way of life, our belief system is under threat. Also, of course, it's, it's, it's you know, it can be used. I mean, you, the, the political system, and particularly in the US, is going, how can, we, how can we not talk about what's happening there where a minority group has taken power by mobilizing the beliefs because their God is under attack and their belief system is under attack, despite the fact of being a minority. And the other thing of the separation, I totally understand, you know, why sort of secular is dead within AA, because there's a difference. The believers are fundamentally united. There is a God. I don't care what you call it or anything like that, but God is God. And um, whereas secular, we are so diverse. We are actually so much more accepting of a lot of different things. It's how the hell would we write a big book? How the hell would we write 12 steps? We'd never agree on anything. Um, and so I, I get that our, 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 our own flexibility in some ways is why we, it's difficult to present a united front because it looks different in, in different countries and different places and people with different views. I mean, are you atheist or agnostic? That's a huge difference, actually. You know, so we're not agreeing what we are is we're standing up against something as opposed to particularly standing for one thing. And that's where their strength lies. Their strength lies in the one and only God. And as long as you can put that banner above you, 
and they will mobilize. And it's hard, it's hard to fight. Anyway, thanks for letting me well, you remind me uh, that in Toronto, I've from time to time, I'm uh, yeah, as I rotate through service positions, I'm involved in public information. And uh, there came a time where the Toronto District School Board stopped inviting AA in as a sort of public service announcement type of thing because their perception was that we were, in fact, religious. I think it's, it's a really interesting point you just brought up in that what is the banner that we we unite under and and maybe it's just me but I feel like that is a really obvious answer we're alcoholics like why do we need another banner we're not here because of a god or our religion or our beliefs we're here because we have a problem drinking we're here because we couldn't stop and I I Maybe I'm just naive, but I feel like that should be enough. Robert. Thank you. Thanks a lot. And thanks, Joe. Uh, I really get a kick out of all this research and it's that uh, blows my mind. I, I'm familiar with the Toronto case because I was the assistant GSR or maybe I was the GSR for Village Agnostics New York City back around that time. And that came up at a couple of meetings and there was a distinct lack of interest at the time. There were only four or five groups in New York city at that time, maybe six, mm -hmm. but two of them were inaccessible uh, in terms of like getting to them. They were way up on the, they were small groups and they were way up on the upper West side, I believe, or upper East side. I can't remember. Um, I'm talking from my own experience, uh, but I know that they were poorly attended, but now there's like 13 or 14 and New York is of course, not a microcosm of the greater AA. It's its own distinct ecosystem, but I had to travel. I had to travel around that time during the recession for work. And I was out in Missouri and, uh, uh, uh Southern Illinois. And there was no agnostic AA that I knew of in, or it wasn't advertised, but there were free thinkers. Uh, they had their own little meetings that weren't associated with AA and they were very quiet about uh, that particular crossing that line into AA. That said, when I was out there, I would talk to those people. I was on the night shift, so I couldn't go to that meeting, but I did learn a lot from those people just from, from uh, hanging out with them at the earlier meetings uh, during the day. Anyway, uh, that said, um, I think in 2010, 2011, there were only in America, in the United States, uh, the only 15 to 20% of the population considered themselves secular. And I think that's doubled since that time. I, I'm pretty sure. And that, um, that means there are no identification with any church in America. So even if the populations are becoming more polarized, they're, 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 you know, they're having less of an effect on the general population. It's actually diminishing. It, the, their intensity is, is, is much more hyper-focused, but it's less, it's having less of an effect. And you're right, mm -hmm. they're, they're going click kicking and screaming and clawing into that good night, but they will have to share that, that power uh, ultimately. Uh, I think there's an 
I haven't been to a convention and uh, you can correct me on this one. You can correct me on any of these points I made that maybe I might be in error of, I wouldn't mind it or point me in a direction of that information. A lot of what we do is anecdotal and I have a hard time with that. I can't really, everyone's got a region and an area and stuff. And there's a lot of anecdotal evidence that points in particular directions. But if there is some kind of barometer, I thought it would be the, the convention in, a, in the United States, which is a massive event. And don't they have it? They have a large agnostic meeting. It's like 2000 to 3000 people go to it. Yeah. And I think that grows every year. That's like something that becomes much broader and more encompassing. And so that it, that's another sort of like indicator of hope for me, like all of it. And I have to say, I've dropped the ball. I do a lot of uh, ecumenical work. It, I'm always in conventional AA. I've been there. I've been doing, I concentrating more in my local area at the homeless shelter at my local places. Mm-hmm. And I pretty, pretty much uh, carry the banner of, you know, I am responsible and that's it. I don't sort of push anything and I've uh, whatever the pro forma stuff is, I deal with it as I go, but I'm always letting people know that I'm here and this is my own thing to transmit. It's my, my thing is I'm here as an agnostic. I'm not here because I believed in a God and, and uh, or any of that. I came into this um, without a belief. I'm here 18 years plus still mm-hmm. without that deity. And I'm, you know, I love a battle. So this is what keeps me coming. Um, again, I appreciate everyone's uh, sentiment here. But I'd like to stay away from like too much anecdotal stuff, even though it interests me. It's like I want to like move more like towards like the hard facts of things. But, uh, you know, that, that game is sort of being diminished, I think. Uh, the, the real hard right fundamentalist. I don't know if it's growing. If that, if that one statistic I have is anything, it means that their power is diminishing ultimately. Mm-hmm. So thank you for letting me share. And thanks again. I, yeah, a couple of uh, things come to mind there. Thank you, Robert. Um, one is... Uh, the uh, in the white paper the general service conference is targeted as part of the problem as evildoers because they're so permissive and uh, since 1990 there in seattle washington there has always been a we agnostics pan- uh, panel at the uh, every five-year world convention and uh it's in the program it's all part of aa and uh in 2020, when it was going to be in Detroit, we were invited as sort of secular AA to have our own hospitality suite. And we would have been in the program if you're looking for secular AA members there in room such and such at such and such a hotel. But of course, that got canceled. So so the general service conference, if, if we uh, roll our eyes at their slowness to action and that sort of stuff. Uh, they're they're more deeply despised by the fundamentalists uh, for their liberalness. And uh, New York, uh, the New York Agnostic AA website uh, did uh, fall into this sort of uh, sort of fundamentalist movement. Someone complained because. At one point, certainly in 2009, when we started our meeting, my first agnostic atheist meeting ever was was in New York. I planned a trip to New York to to catch a couple. 
And um, the they did have an agnostic version of the 12 steps on the website AANYC agnostic or whatever it's called. And were asked by someone from the general service conference, I think Naomi was the list keeper at the time, uh, said, uh, you uh, can't do that. You can't have that there. Like just, I don't know if she was acting on her own sense of what AA is or what AA wasn't because the San Francisco, uh, uh, I think it's uh, aaagnostics.org, uh, they grabbed that website first. They still have and have always had agnostic 12 steps. So, so it gets very regional in terms of how these things are interpreted and how much oversight a central office should have and that sort of thing. But um, the agnostics in New York didn't fight it. They said, you want it gone? We'll take it off. You know, we're not that excited about them anyway. So, um, it, so it's still not there, but but some of our inspiration to write our own uh, steps came from uh, the original uh, New York agnostic AA website. Okay. Do we have anybody else who had a question or a comment before we stop recording?